Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the ACC Now podcast. I am C.L. Brown, the UNC beat writer, and I am joined by our Duke beat writer, Steve Wiseman who is fresh, freshly back from Orlando uh, after the Blue Devils got knocked out by Tennessee. Uh, welcome, Steve. How you doing, man? I'm good. I didn't bring back any Mickey Mouse ears or anything like that, so <laughs> I was probably the only one on my plane. Uh, I did have Mickey Mouse ears or something, but <laughs> anyway, it was a good good time down in Orlando. Doesn't it feel kind of funny to be back so soon? Like, like I, I felt empty-handed watching everybody go out <laughs> last yes. end of their games, and yes, and now uh, got a spot on my couch for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there was a time this year where I thought the first weekend might be it for Duke, right? Uh, and then as the season went on and they began playing so well, uh, it looked like they, you know, I know last week the ACC tournament. A lot of other people were coming up to be like, "You're gonna have a long run in the NCAA tournament, man. You, yeah. you better pack a pack a lunch." Um, and then they you know, they just ran into, uh, uh, you know, a team in Tennessee that was just physically stronger and older than them. And for the first time in, you know, six seven weeks, their youth really showed. Oh yeah, and it hadn't for a while, and they just they were never able to get a handle on that game. So yeah, it is uh, the way they were playing going into that Tennessee game. I fully thought. They were going to win. I really just felt like they were the better team, yeah. as far as the, again, the way they're playing. But I underestimated Tennessee's, you know, ability to shut them down. Was there a comparable team that Duke played in in the regular season in terms of the, the physicality, you know, that that Tennessee brought to that game? Yeah, the only, you know, the only thing thing team I think of was Purdue because of Edie, because mm-hmm. he was so big and strong enough. But it was just really him. Yeah, you know, Tennessee had. Seven guys. <laughs> Every position, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this was really unusual. And that's what, you know, uh, Shire and, and the assistants had talked about how, you know, we think the ACC prepares us for whatever we're going to face in March from, you know, as far as styles of play and, you know, zone and, you know, all kinds of different things, right? And uh, in this case, it didn't. Yeah. Because it really wasn't anybody. I mean, Virginia's physical because of the way they play defense, but not not to this degree, not, yeah. not the way Tennessee was. So that, that's where... The ACC really didn't do, you know, teams a favor because the ACC didn't have all, all all that kind of talent this year that, you know, the different kinds of talent. That that specific kind of talent wasn't in the league this year. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like the mighty have fallen <laughs> with the ACC, but we're we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. So John Shire, his first year, um how would you how would you say, you know, how how did that first year evaluation go? I mean, obviously they had a lot of injuries to deal with throughout the season. He had to navigate that. They got it together to win an ACC championship, which which is 
not insignificant. I mean, I, I know uh, the previous coach <laughs> used to downplay, uh, Coach K used to downplay that in, in terms of saying, you know, he was after those final fours and national championships at that point. But, um, yeah, how, how would you say, despite how it ended against Tennessee, how would you kind of sum up uh, his first year? Yeah, I mean, you know, his job was to not let the Duke program slip, right? And we saw some signs of slippage early uh, with, uh, you know, they had three losses before January 1st, yeah. first time in 40 years, the blowout losses to State and Miami, uh, dropping out of the top 25. So for a while there, it looked like, uh-oh, you know, this is, I mean, this is what everybody within Duke feared was. It was going to be a slow, you know, slip back. And then, boy, he really stayed with it. And when they got everybody healthy, uh, was ready to go and had, had um, you know, there's a lot of problems with the offense for a while. And then they finally fixed that a lot, a lot, you know, I mean, a lot of problems with turnovers, who was handling the ball, he adjusted. So Tyrese Proctor was a point guard and Roach was off and uh, got the rotation down with the, the bigs inside. And they were playing, you know, as well as anybody going into the tournament, uh, anybody in the country, you could say. So, uh, and I just got done writing this and sto- stories up on our website now. Um, just kind of saying, I mean, it, it was a, I mean, anytime you hang a banner in Cameron, they've done something, right? Yeah. As much as Coach K downplayed it, they still hung a banner for those <laughs> PGA championships, and uh, and they they got one up there. So that's uh, they won twenty seven games, went undefeated at home. So there was some bad, and there's some really good. And uh, I know they didn't want it to end on sa- on Saturday at Tennessee, but you know the program's in good shape. Was yeah. Shire. I think everybody can say that the the uh, the feared slippage may have happened in little places, but in the big places, it was they were still Duke, uh, yeah, and they were still a feared brand. I mean, I I I, I thought clear cut. I mean, he's he showed some coaching acumen. Like you know, you never know when somebody moves from the, from that assistant over to the to the main chair. Uh, especially in-game adjustments and just kind of how how they're going to uh, correct what what seems like to be flaws and everything. And uh, he he seemed to check off those boxes. But ultimately, I mean, uh, I think same with Hubert Davis at Carolina. He's going to be judged by what he does in the postseason. And, you know, so this season just, you know, uh, in a vacuum, losing in the second round of Tennessee isn't a big deal. But... If that is stacked by another year next year and, you know, as we go farther down, if if there aren't those regional finals, final fours <laughs> on the verge of that, then, you know, that's where I feel like the, the pressure might come in. Which, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I don't know how much leeway Hubert really got from last year. You know, um, there, there was a lot of rumblings this year. Uh, I felt like kind of from the fan base in terms of uh, what he's not doing or what he's not correcting and that kind of thing. And uh, by by the end of February, nobody wanted to talk about last year, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so well, we'll see. There, there, there's some short memories in in the triangle, man. That's for sure. Somebody brought up uh, speaking of last year uh, in the post game press conference with Jeremy Roach. You know, how do you feel about the way things went, considering the way last year ended? And he jumped in and said, I don't want to talk about last year. Like, <laughs> Roach was like, that's it. We're done with that. You know, made the Final Four. So, yeah, same thing. Like, like forget about last year. It's time to move on. But um, yeah. you, you're right in that, you know, uh, now with what's happened with Carolina, 
last year's looked upon differently, right? And so yeah. with Shire, now we'll see if they get off to a slow start next year or if they play well in ACC play but flame out in March again the first weekend. You're right. You still you, you, know, you get more of a sample size and then you, you can kind of analyze things a little differently. And so, yes, that will be that will be a big thing as we go forward. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm so tempted to go off on a rant here, Steve, on, on two things that this kind of reminded me of. One is Virginia and Tony Bennett, because I felt like they got a, a lot of unnecessary flack for losing to Furman. And all of a sudden, people are calling the 2019 National Championship for Virginia a fluke because they had some tight wins. And I, I mean, it's mind boggling to me. <laughs> it is mind boggling to me because Virginia in and of itself wasn't this juggernaut program that Tony Bennett took over and is supposed to be in Sweet 16. They only, I, I had to look this up. They only had seven Sweet 16s before he got there as a program. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, I would have guessed a lot more than that, but, you know, that's what it was. And he's taken them to three since he's been there. And to me, the thing with Tony Bennett is when he has NBA talent, they play like it. They're scoring more. They are, you know, that was the 2016 team that lost to, I mean, that was an upset and they probably shouldn't have lost that game. They were like 15 or 16 against Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before they lost it. So, yeah, they, they let that one get away. But they won in 2019 with guys that are NBA talent. So, um, you know, when, when when they lost DeAndre Hunter, they lose to the number 16 seed, you know, and he was, he was a lottery pick. Yeah, so um, I, I got a little – I got a little uh, – I got a little mad about that. I didn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> well, having been in Orlando this weekend and uh, when this – with some of those t- hot takes started hitting the wire at <laughs> the internet, I guess. But the new kids, the old kids, we say the wire, don't we? Uh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of discussion about that. And, you know, one thing I said was, look at a program like Gonzaga or, I don't know, Texas Tech, something like that. That You think they wouldn't trade all they've done for one exactly. national championship? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, yes, they would. I think they would. Uh, there are only like, what six coaches right now who who have won the uh, active coaches who have won national titles, right? So uh, that got on me. I know it has nothing to do with triangle sports. We don't even cover Virginia <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I also it it irritated me to hear uh, in relation to Hubert Davis that Carolina's run last year was also a fluke, and they just got hot at the end, which to me totally misses the point. I mean. To me, the change came when Brady Manick was permanent insert into the starting lineup when Dawson Garcia left the team. From that moment on, they were playing a lot better. Like they, their their offense changed. Uh, obviously, their their rotation tightened up because they had one less, you know, uh, one less guy who could play twenty minutes, and so um, they had started playing better long before that. Now the loss to Pitt, notwithstanding, you know. But they were playing. They were playing at a higher clip way before the tournament ever started. So, those those were my two things. I'll I'll sit back down now. <laughs> and that was a coaching decision, right? It was. It was. In, it was. That's Hubert. Check that for Hubert. That's a good move he made, uh, to make that move. And then they got they got better again. I just we just talked about Shire how Duke was playing their best basketball at the end of the year. That's exactly. what Hubert did last year. Exactly. So, it didn't carry over this year for whatever reason. There is no carryover from one year to another. Let's just put that to, to bed. 
There's mm-hmm. not, and, and Armando Baycott kind of summed it up where uh, at one of the post games, he essentially said that, you know, the the story of this season when it's told is going to be that they talk too much about last season. And right. and last season was hanging over their head and well, or at least was an albatross that they were carrying through throughout this season. So um, it, it brings, it's a nice segue into what is next, both for Carolina and for Duke uh, specifically, um, because there, there are a lot of decisions <laughs> to be made that, that are going to really shape what this team looks like next season. And at NC State too. I mean, I think Tarquavian Smith is going to leave, but if he comes back, then that their roster, you know, their outlook changes drastically and what Coach Keats will do, you know, in terms of the transfer portal and everything uh, in the offseason. But um, the big decisions at Carolina, Armando Baycott, will he be back for that fifth COVID year that he's eligible to take? Um, I assume I, I, I have every reason to believe that RJ Davis is, is back. No, no, you know, no real question about it. Um, and I think Caleb Love is coming back. Um, and I know there, are, <laughs> he has a decision. So this is my opinion. Okay. But, um, I did talk to his mother and I asked her if, uh, if he's not, if he decides not to, you know, start a professional career, and and try and you know and just leave college would he play a college year in another uniform and she said no so if he comes if he decides not to begin his journey you know and in the professional ranks uh then he'll be playing for carolina for from that indication certainly stuff could have changed between the time i talked to her and now but that that was the last word so uh we we will see those are obviously uh, those will have a huge impact as well on what Hubert Davis does this offseason in terms of trying to put a roster together. That's three big pieces to build around, man. That's it is. That's solid. Uh, and to you know, forget about what happened again last year. It's just you know three veteran players that know what they're doing, and yeah. it didn't work out again. It didn't always work out, but you know what you got there. You know, so and I, I think it'll be good to see some some new faces too. Uh, you know, meshing in with with the the possible old faces, just to to have a fresh outlook and to not be well, they they shouldn't be overwhelmed by any any kind of uh, expectations next year anyway. I think it I think it'll kind of go back to normal, right? <laughs> I mean, right. but playing at Carolina, playing at Duke, you know, <laughs> it's all when it comes with the territory. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it will- Many you know fake magazine covers or that going on probably uh, <laughs> no. like we had last year. So yeah, and from the Duke point of view, talking about next year, uh, you know Jeremy Roach has a decision like Caleb Love a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't anticipate him going to play in a different uniform, uh, just because you know he and Shire are very close from recruiting and all that stuff. And um, I don't if he comes back now he could decide to leave and take his hand at, at pro ball, although. The projections aren't, you know, for him to be a first round pick or anything. So, yeah. uh, but he may just Caleb. be, yeah, he may just be done with college. He yeah. very well could. Which, which um, I think, I think when people are trying to factor in what these kids are going to do, that gets lost sometimes. Like, if you you got to go to class, like you have work to do. Yeah. Some people get tired of that. I was tired of it, and I wasn't playing. <laughs> you know, so right. 
right? And uh, you know, and uh, so he he may not want to do that anymore. He may or he may. We'll see. I know his parents were at every game this year. Both his mom and dad came to every game this year, which gives me a feeling like maybe it was a last a last go around. You know, nobody said that, but that's a lot of commitment. I mean, I was on a plane with him back from Portland. I remember so uh, uh, that red eye after being out there. So, um, they, uh, uh, they made the rounds for sure. So I don't know if that'll play into it, but we'll see. Um, that's one thing they got, you know, obviously the freshman lively and whitehead or everything, every indication is they're going pro. That was the plan from day one when they got here. And even though they both had some injuries, they both were playing at the end of the year. And, you know, I think that that's that's probably still. I'll be I'll be surprised if they don't obviously yeah. go pro. So, and you know what's funny is I felt like Lively, out of everybody, helped himself the most because the beginning of the year it just seemed choppy, along with the injuries and him not you know having early reps and everything. And when he played, it was like. Yeah, it's is this guy going to the league? You know. Yeah, he has but no then, offensive game. Yeah. You know? By the end, I mean, he he kind of asserted himself. It was it was uh it was good to see him kind of you know not lose confidence with with all the stuff that he went through and still be able to, you know, to kind of be that player that he was projected to be uh, he, near the he end, can, especially defensively. Defensively, he's ready to go. He can make yeah. an impact. Uh, he can guard one through five. I mean. You don't have to worry about he switched off on somebody in the NBA, that kind of thing. So there, there, there's a place for him yeah. at that level. And Whitehead, you know, really didn't have much of an outside shooting game in high school. He's more of a slash and scorer, that kind of thing, uh, transition. And he showed at times this year he was he could stick the three-pointer when they needed one, you know. And so yeah. um, that's, that's, that's earned him some money for sure. Uh, uh, and then now, now the, other, the, the question marks of the freshman class are – Filipowski, Proctor, and Mitchell. And, um, you know, Flip, uh, uh, is it as projected as high as Lively and Whitehead? He's, you see him at the end of the first round and some. There's a lot of questions about how he'll play defense at the next level. Um, is he physical enough? And we saw the Tennessee game, he wasn't very, you know, that, that he got pushed around by some older guys, right? Yeah. And maybe that'll, they'll sour them on him going. I don't know. But uh, elbow to the face will do that to you. Man. <laughs> You know, I, they cut kind of, they cut me, Mick. You know, he was bleeding and everything. Um, that was a tough game. Uh, so, um, he, you know, and I talked to him at the end of the year, and he said he really had some things to, to, to think about. He didn't, didn't have a decision then, of course, and but he said he he said how much Duke helped him, how he, how he knew he made the right decision coming to Duke, made him a better player, a better person, all that stuff. So, if that means anything, I don't know if that means he might come back for another year, maybe to increase his stock. We'll see, but I also know that he was—he had a lot of frustration about. You know, he was told by ACC officials early in the year that Duke staff was told to tell him that he flopped and that he had to watch oh, out for that. They were going to be eyeballing that. So, yeah. uh, he may say, you know, to heck with this. I don't—I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'll go play professional basketball. And I can, you know, of course they have flopping rules there too. But you know, I'm trying to say he might yeah. just say enough of this college stuff, right? Let's go. Let's go do that. Um, and you know it was, it was kind of funny. Um, the, it's a short detour. The officiating in terms of flops, it's like they got the mandate in the off season. The new rule came in early in the season. The first few games they would call it, and you'd get a technical for for flops. And then 
they just cut it off. Like I, I never, I definitely passed December, did not see that called one time. Although clearly there were situations where I was like, that's a flop. Yeah. I, I only saw one after the first of the year and it was, uh, Duke got called for one at Virginia tech. So in the games I covered, I only saw two called. They were both against Duke. One of them was in the champions classic, uh, yeah. in November. Yeah. Again, high profile event. We got to call one, you know, yeah. we're going to send this message. Uh, and there are many times when you know, in press row we turn to people and say it's either that's either a charge or it's a flop. Like yeah. it can't be no call. Like yeah. it's got to be something. <laughs> um, so they were they didn't they didn't know how to call it. Yeah, yeah. So inconsistencies. Yeah. Well, um, let's transition to looking at the ACC as a whole. Um, five teams in, only one Miami surviving the the opening weekend into the Sweet 16. And I, I wasn't aware of this stat. I saw before Miami played that the ACC had a streak since 1980 of always having at least one team make the Sweet 16, longest streak in, in the nation. Uh, the Big 12 is the second longest right now. They currently have, have made it the last 24 years, had at least one team in. But that pales in comparison to, to what the ACC has done. And uh, and Miami saved it. <laughs> Miami, Coach Lorega. to Coach L, yes, <laughs> for coming through for the league. But it kind of opens up a bigger question to me. Um, I felt like... I felt like removing all the expectations for Carolina this year, if you looked at them, they were very much a bubble team, but I thought they were a team that should have got in. And what I thought should have happened was they should have talked about their scheduling more and how tough of a schedule they played. Now, uh, this is going to sound like I'm picking. Well, I am picking on them, kind of. (laughs) I, I looked at the Mountain West Conference, getting four teams in. Yeah. Um, and San Diego State was the only one that made it, you know, to the Sweet 16. And San Diego State has been solid all year. Like, I, I never questioned, you know, them as as a top top 25 kind of team in the nation. But the other three teams, to me, were suspect. They didn't play the kind of schedule, you know, that – and specifically I'm talking about Carolina played. But, um, but in general, they didn't play a, a – I'm talking about Nevada, Utah State, and uh, and Boise State. I kind of thought Boise State should have got in, but that was just having seen them play. I thought they played, you know, they look like a tournament team, if you will. But the metrics love these teams. Like, the, you know, in terms of their net rankings, I think all three of them finished in the top 30. Um, and I didn't understand it. Uh, when I looked at the competition that they played and and – uh, you know, I, I just felt like at the end of the day, the selection committee got some of those teams wrong because they relied too much on metrics and the narrative with the ACC being down and everything. Um, right. Well, I shouldn't say narrative because it, it's down, but sure. But that's relative to the ACC and what it has always been. It doesn't mean that the teams, you know, like Carolina, even like Clemson being considered, it doesn't mean that those teams were not worthy of being in the NCAA tournament. Right. Like Nevada, I was just looking it up here as we were speaking. They have they had two quad three losses. Yeah. Now, somehow they were still 37th in the net. I know that, I mean, it's it's somewhere in, I mean, I know they were, I'm looking at it, they were four and five in quad one and three and three in quad two. So they had seven 
of the you know they're seven and eight against the top two quads, which is strong. That's 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 okay. I mean that's good for them. But yeah. um, but uh, you know I know they were behind Carolina and Ken Palm. They were fifty eight and Carolina was like in the forties or something, right? So, yeah. um, you know, and when they got into the tournament, they they didn't do very well. I mean Arizona blew out Arizona State that. blew out right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know coming into this, to the tournament, Jim Phillips was trumpeting, remember what the ACC did last year, don't, don't screw us again, you know, that kind of thing to the committee. And maybe this will, you know, if they look at it again next year, look back at what the Mountain West did this year. Okay. Let's tone that down a little bit. That didn't work out so well. Right. I don't know if they do that or not. Human interest says you hope they will, but you know, if they get in that room, it's all metrics and everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, the metrics clearly didn't speak. I mean, and Kim Palm actually had the Mountain West ranked ahead of the ACC too. Yes. The ACC yes. slipped back to the number seventh uh, over the seventh conference in the nation, and the Mountain right. West was at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I just if we matched head to head, if it was the ACC Mountain West challenge, <laughs> I'd take the ACC every time. And you could every mix time. up, you could mix up. The, the teams that played it, it it wouldn't make that much of a difference to me right. um of course i wouldn't i wouldn't take louisville and, <laughs> and notre dame this year you no. know georgia tech those teams at the bottom really brought down uh the rest of the conference um well let's uh go ahead and move on to who is still playing um since we do have a tournament even though it might not feel like it in the triangle right now. <laughs> Who do you see emerging? Who are, are your final four picks still alive? Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm one that I, I don't, I don't pick, I don't do that before. Okay. okay. I don't, I just, I've always been, I'm just going to watch the games and kind of that way. So, yeah. but, but, um, I've liked Houston from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I know that it's going to be a, an interesting game in Kansas City Friday night when yeah. Houston and Miami played because of the defense and offense, the, the contrast. And that uh, second half against Auburn was was incredible. They put up oh. fifty, uh, and and it looked like they might be dead in the water in the yes. first half. <laughs> yes, and then all of a sudden they just hit a gear. They snapped it and, and did it. And yeah. so I still think they're. I mean, Alabama is really obviously the number one overall seed. So um, I, I did get to see a good bit of San Diego State in Orlando and they're kind of a tough physical team too. Yeah. So I want to see how they, I still think Alabama's going to outclass them, yeah. um, you know, in that, in that South region, um, you know, in the East, it's a, it's a hodgepodge because all the top seeds have kind of been knocked out, right? Kansas state's the three, they're the top seed left. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, I think will push past Florida Atlantic, <laughs> um, in literally and figuratively they'll push past them. Um, and then uh, I, you know, I right now I like Kansas State. I guess it's chalk pick, but I think they got more to offer. Tennessee, you know, back to their game with Duke. I really thought they would. I thought Duke could end up figuring out a way to outscore them. You know, maybe it would be a sloppy rock fight of a game, but I, I, I was surprised Duke was out the fifty-two points. And so I'm saying that to transition to Kansas State if they play in the regional final, which I think is what's going to happen. Kansas State will have more ways to score. They'll they'll be the one to get through in the East. That's my pick there. So, yeah. um, uh, and then I guess I got the out West. Um, boy, I like I like UConn the way they're playing right now. I like their toughness. Yeah. Um, UCLA's got through a couple battles here, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Hurley. 
Hurley's team and, and UConn gets back to the final four from the West. So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I um so, well, I have three of my picks still alive. Uh Bama, Texas, and UCLA. And I had UCLA win it at all initially. Um I'm I'm kinda like you. Like I don't like to dive too much into it. So I literally I do one bracket. And I did that at the 11th hour. I was just like, oh, okay, I haven't done it yet. Let me go ahead and do it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I had Marquette going, uh, and obviously they they got bounced. But, um, yeah, man, I, I just think right now um, it's kind of fitted. The, the, the upsets that we've seen fitted how the regular season played out in terms of no no. I would say no dominant team. Like, yeah, Alabama, Houston, they've been up there all along. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and even Kansas was up there all along. But they, you know, Kansas had some 20-point losses. Like, you know? Yes. He, like, yes. Yeah, they they were playing well, but then they'd have those just, like, you know, games where they laid an egg. Uh, uh, and against Texas was, you know, one of them in the, in the Big 12 conference game. But, um yeah, there's some great storylines out there too, you know, with with Rodney Terry um being an oh, interim yeah. coach and and still being able to commandeer that team um and and not let them down and UCLA, man, it seems like they get somebody injured or or the scare of an injury every game. So that's that's what's <laughs> it's kind of um sabotaging my confidence in in if they can finish it out but uh I'm I'm still going to stick with them cuz I just feel like it's been such a crazy year that something's going to happen you know um yeah. with with Alabama or with Houston um but uh and it would be crazy to see if Creighton you know which was top 10 team preseason and you know right. when they lost those six games early on a lot of people just kind of uh felt like they were going to fall off. But um, as NC State stall in the first round, they got a lot of firepower and and can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they finish out too. That's a really good six-seed, isn't it? Yeah. Really talented six-seeded six team. Although, what what is the – no no seed lower than a four has won it all. Is that right? No, because Villanova in '85. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think it was a six, if I remember yeah. right. So okay, um, okay, it can happen. I don't know what stat I'm thinking of then, but may, maybe that's since 2000 or something. Maybe I so. don't know. I don't know. Well, what, <laughs> what was what was uh, UConn in 2014? They they were. That was a low seat because they had to, they had yeah. to win the Big East to get in, didn't they? Yeah, were they like that a year seven? That may be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm just wrong on a lot of levels right now. So <laughs> I think that means it's time for us to wrap it up, Steve. <laughs> and we've done enough damage for this one, haven't we? Exactly. exactly. Uh, okay, UConn was a seven. They were a seven seed. So that's seven. Yeah. That's got to be it then, right? I don't know what I'm thinking of, man. <laughs> Villanova was the eight seed. I don't know. Anyway, yes. Um, All right. Well, well, we're we're in we're into the off season. We're into transfer portal season. Um. We'll see what happens. It's uh... <laughs> There will still be a lot more college hoops to talk about and to come, even though it won't be on the court. That is correct. Yes. Well, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the ACC Now podcast. Check back next week. 
uh, as we look into the final four and maybe some more transfers or, <laughs> or incoming commitments. Thanks again, folks.